to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. Father, we thank you that we're in your house today. We just want to tell you that we love you. We just appreciate who you are and everything that you are. We thank you that today you truly are great. And it's not just today. You were great yesterday. You'll be great tomorrow. You'll be great forever because, God, you are so awesome. And, God, we give you all the praise and we give you all the glory today. In Jesus' name, Amen. I want to ask you today, how many of you are ready to receive what we're going to say today? Now, well, when you say I'm ready to receive, that means you're going to have to put into action and you're going to have to put into work. We're dealing with this month happily ever after. It's not just for fairy tales. We just truly believe that God has a fulfillment and joy through relationship, through your marriage, that wow, is going to impact your life and change your life. We're really excited about this month when we're dealing with relationships and we're talking and don't shut me off and say, well, I'm not married or I've been through a rough divorce and don't talk to me about love and relationship. We're going to teach you principles that will work in your home, they'll work in your workplace, they'll work in your community, in your church. In fact, everyday interactions that we have, the connections, the opportunities around us every day, they're going to help us in those things. Now, of course, we are going to be dealing with marriage and we're going to be talking about that aspect of relationship too. But I want you, whatever place you're at, to realize that there is something that you can grab a hold of. Make a commitment throughout this month. I think you should be in church every week anyway, but make a special commitment this month to be here. Why? Because relationships contribute a whole lot to the state of our lives. Let me say that one more time. I've got two amens. Relationships contribute a whole lot to the contentment, the happiness, and the fulfillment of our lives. If your kid is going through bad problems with other kids at school, they don't want to go to school. When in marriage, if there's fighting and tension, you don't want to love, you don't want to do. Relationships contribute a whole lot to the fulfillment, the happiness and joy. Now, they're not the source. Jesus is the source. But they contribute greatly. And one of the key truths that we're going to look at and discuss and break down throughout the course of this series, and we're going to learn how to apply it to our life, is the word empathy. Say that with me. Empathy. 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 Empathy was something that Jesus knew and he displayed throughout his entire earthly ministry. There's many examples, but I remember the one example of Lazarus, the friend of Jesus. He was a friend of Jesus. 
And it's the shortest verse in the Bible. And I liked this verse when I was a kid. When we were in Sunday school as kids, we were asked, it was always the boys versus the girls. The boys on one side, the girls on the other. And you always wanted to beat the girls. And we were asked at times, come on, who's got a memory verse that they can come up and we'll give you 10 points for your team? I would always put my hand up in the air. I had a memory verse ready to rock and roll. Okay, Philip, what's your verse? John eleven thirty-five. Jesus wept. <laughs> hey, it's there. It's there. John eleven thirty-five. Jesus wept. They started wising up to it and they started saying any other verse apart from it won me many points. We beat the girls many times because of that. But just think about that verse for a moment. The shortest verse in the Bible, but yet one that still packs a massive punch. Because it shows the empathy and the feeling that Jesus had for other people. He's just told his disciples in verse 11. He's told his disciples this, if you would read it in John 11. Jesus has just told them in verse 11. He says, I'm going to go and wake up Lazarus. And his disciples began to talk and said, oh, he must be asleep. And Jesus said, no, he's not asleep. He's dead. He stands before Martha and she's upset. And she said, if you had only been here, and in verse 25, I believe it is, Jesus said, hold on a second. You're looking at the resurrection You're looking at the life. Jesus already knows what he's about to do. He's about to rock up into that situation and command Lazarus to come out of that grave. And he's going to rise from the dead. But notice, before all of that, in the middle of all that, Jesus takes time to begin to feel the feelings, to empathize with those around. I love that about Jesus. I love what it says in Hebrews 4 verse 15. Look what it says. We do not have a high priest or a great God, an awesome God, who what? Cannot sympathize. Doesn't feel with us the weaknesses, the struggles. The Bible says in all points, he was tempted like we were. Key part at the end, yet He did not sin. He did not fall into that temptation. But Jesus, when he walked on the face of this earth, the Bible says that he feels what we feel. He knows what we're going through. And you can say, oh, he knows that because he's God. No, he knows that because he chose to be man. And he chose to come down and to feel what we feel. Second Corinthians 5 verse 21. He made himself who knew no sin. To what? To be sin for us. He empathized with us that we might become what? The righteous in God. He who knew no sin took our sin. That's what it means. It doesn't mean he became sin in the fact he sinned. But it means he took, he paid the penalty for our sins. He took it for us. What did Jesus do? He traded places with us. He traded places With us. And from the example that we see that Jesus literally laid down his life for each one of us, I believe he shows us an example that we must follow in our marriages, in our homes, and in our relationships. If Jesus came to empathize, to feel, But we know he came to do more than just to feel. He came to meet every need. He came to heal and he came to deliver. But yet he did it, what? Through I care. 
I love you. I came for you. Empathy, empathy, empathy. So I really encourage you today, don't shut off. Don't say, well, Philip, my marriage is dead. I know where you're going with this kind of stuff. Don't shut off and say, well, I'm never going to get married again. And and I'm never going to get married. Don't say, how can this ever be relevant to my life? Because I truly believe today we're going to give you principles. Can I give you the definition of a principle? A principle is this, a fundamental, it's a primary or general truth on which other truths depend. Let me say that one more time. It's a fundamental, primary or general truth on which other truths depend. Depend. In other words, if you don't have principles in place, if you don't have right godly principles in place, it's going to affect everything else that's going to follow in your life. If you're not living by the principles of God's word, don't expect your marriage to be great. Don't expect your finances to be where they need to be. Don't expect these. Why? Because we have to abide by the principles of God and from those. God says that he's given us life, 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 life. And I realize in three weeks, we can't tackle every problem. We can't deal with every need. But I believe that we can try to give you and will give you the formula that's going to fix every equation that you could possibly have. You may turn around and say, but why? But why? Why? Why have I got to go through this? Why can't God just do? I mean, why can't God just change my marriage? Why can't God just bring me someone? Why can't God just heal the hurt, the rift, the separation? Why can't God restore the problem in that relationship? And here's why, and this isn't a question, this was with an exclamation mark. Here's why God won't just do those things Without you doing your part, applying the right principles, here's why. Because to only change the situation and circumstances is to deal with only part of the problem. And sometimes we've got to admit that's the smallest part of the problem because the bigger problem is not what we have identified as the problem. Well, they're just unloving. They're just lazy. They're incompetent. They're rude, they're unkind, they're disrespectful. I feel unappreciated. Can I tell you today, that's not the main problem in your relationships and your marriage today. The main problem is you. We are the main problem. And we're the ones that needs to change. And for us to remain the same and say, well, God just changed my marriage. Guess what? If we don't change, we're going to screw up our marriage worse than it is right now if something doesn't take place. You see, what we're dealing with today is God wants to touch your life today. Well, if only he would touch my marriage, he will. He'll touch your marriage through touching your life. He'll touch the circumstances around you through changing you. Instead of asking why, why God, you better start saying, God, what? Have a personal connotation upon your life. Why? Because you've got to realize that you need to change. There's a saying out there that says this. You don't solve money problems with money. 
Now, in the natural, you can say, well, I've got problems financially, so if I just had more money, it would solve my problems. No, it wouldn't. It would just be a quick fix. It would not solve a problem. Why? Because money is not the initial problem. The real problem is your lack of discipline with the money that you have. The real problem is the lack of wisdom that you have. The debts that you've incurred. The things that you've done that you know you shouldn't have done. And you may say, well, money will solve my problems. Not if you are the real problem. And can you see how that is in our relationships? It's so easy to point the finger and say, God, if you had just changed my wife. God, if you had just changed my kids. If you had just changed our economic situation, then wow, we'll have the happiest marriage. We'll have a great relationship. And God says, no, 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 that's not the problem. I want to deal with you. I want to deal with your heart. I want to deal with your life. And that's what this series is about. Yes, it's about your marriage. Yes, it's about relationships. Yes, it's about the future. But it begins with you. It begins with me. You see, our mind has to be transformed. The Bible tells us in Romans 12, verse 2, read it for yourself. It says there's two choices we have. We can either be conformed or we can be transformed. Say that with me, conformed or transformed. Come on, one more time, conformed or transformed. Conformed means we can be molded into the image of something. And what the Bible tells us is we'll be molded into the image of the world. We know what the world is doing with marriages and relationships. We know the statistics. We know the cry that there is as marriages are breaking like never before and families are being ripped apart. So we can conform to that. We can say, well, that's what's happening and we can be a part of that. But God says, hold on a second. That's not what I came to do. That's not what I came to be to your life. God says, I want you to be transformed. And how are we transformed, the Bible says, by having a new way of thinking. We're going to be dealing with your mind during this series, that you need to have a new way of thinking. But what we'll realize is empathy is not just a new way of thinking, but empathy is also involves the heart. Empathy is both mind and both heart. It's like an aeroplane. It needs two wings and able to be able to take off. Empathy has to have the mind that needs to be transformed and it needs to have a heart that is willing and open to say, God, fix me. Fix me first, God. And then you can take care of the rest. But really, God, you're going to take care of most of the rest when you Fix me. Can you see where we're going with this? Fix me. Fix me. And I know today I'm talking and taking a long time in the introduction, but I really believe you need to see this and understand this, that God needs to first change you before he moves to the next problem. And what we're going to discover about empathy is this. It's not a tangible commodity. Wouldn't it be great if we turned around today and said, on your way out, we have a bottle of empathy that we're going to give every one of you. And all you have to do is wash yourself in it every day and you're just going to empathize with your wife and husband like never before. It's going to solve every... Wouldn't it be great if we could have a tangible commodity like that? But can I tell you today, just because it's not tangible, its results are real. Its results are invaluable to your relationship and to your marriage. You can't go to a store to buy it. But the results of empathy will be felt 
and they will be seen in your relationship. Have an empathy towards others, Will. Listen to this. It will approve your ability to make decisions together. It will improve your ability to make decisions together, to work as a team, to overcome hardships, to achieve goals and to enjoy physical intimacy. Well, did he just say sex in church right there? All the guys just woke up in the house. But if you would notice here, look what's happened. This is something that I saw this week and and I thought, wow, it's so true. And I began to look through some other um, marriage courses and some different things on relationship. And it's amazing that the majority of the courses and most of the studies that you will see that physical intimacy is listed at the end. That physical intimacy is listed at the end. Why is that? Can I tell you why that is today? Because I believe that comes by way of the results of everything else that goes before it. Guys, if you aren't going to talk to your wife and respect her and love her, guess what? She's not going to open up to you sexually. Come on, how many would agree that sexual intimacy starts a long way Before the bedroom. Come on. Come on. It's okay. We're adults in the house. It's okay today. Hang with me. It begins a long way before the bedroom. It's how you address each other and speak. And really, it could almost be labeled as this. It's almost something that we earn. And I know we don't like to say it that way, like it's a a reward. But yet, in essence, that's perhaps what it is. But you see, here's the key. We're going to learn that when we meet the needs of each other, everyone's needs are going to be met. When it comes to needs, we've got to understand that God made us male and female. God made us different. We have different needs. We have different desires. But guess what? We're not wrong. We're just different. Say that with me. Not wrong. Just different different. And that's okay. And you know why that's okay? Because God made us that way. If you've got a problem with that, take that up with God because God don't make no mistakes. God makes everything in perfect harmony and perfect unity. Therefore, God made us different to have different needs. For what reason? Why? Because it can bring some spice to our relationship. That together, through empathy, we can bridge every gap between every need that we possibly can have. That's what empathy does. It bridges the gaps. If there's one statement I think that would completely change our homes, it's this statement. If you don't get anything else from this message today, I really think this is what you need to get. When you deal with your spouse, here's the thought. It's not a case of what they deserve, but it's what they need. You see, today we have built our whole lives on performance. Well, if they do this, then I'm going to do that. But you know what I believe that we're going to see throughout this course and we're going to discover that God says, you move first. Well, who moves first in the relationship? The most mature one. So who wants to be the most mature? You move first. It only takes one to break the craziness. Come on. 
only takes one to step out and say, hold on a second. If we would begin to treat each other of what we need, not what we deserve, our homes would be completely different. That is true empathy, being willing to trade places, trading places with each other. Empathy, empathy, empathy to meet the needs of each other. So what really is empathy? Let me give you the definition of what empathy is. It's the identification with and understanding of another's situation, feelings, and motive. Empathy is the identification with and the understanding of another's situation, feelings, and motive. You can say with me right now, wow. That's some word right there. Some of you thought you knew what empathy was all about and you were excited about this series till you realized what it really entails and what it really requires from each one of us. I'm just a simple guy, so can I break it down a little bit for you? In other words, empathy is imagining what life is like at some moment in time for your spouse or for someone else. Empathy is putting yourself in their skin, looking at life through their eyes. It means to walk in their shoes. It means to trade places. It's trading places. Now, guys, that doesn't mean we go home and put on a skirt and a blouse. It doesn't mean we put on makeup. We're not preaching that in this house. God help us. But it's taken time to hear a cry of help. It's taken time to notice each other and to realize that there are feelings. You see, the problem today is this. There's a book that was written that I believe is one of the greatest problems and I guarantee 99.9% of you in here have never even read the book. How many have ever read the book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus or the other way around? How many have read it? Very few in here. More than I thought. Good job. But you know what? The title of that book presents something to many of us, and that is this. We come from different planets. There's no way that we can ever really understand each other. We're so different. We can try to live with each other, but we're never really going to understand. I believe that's a lie from the pit of hell. I believe that we can empathize, that we can know how each other feels. It just takes time. It just takes effort. It just takes commitment. It just takes our willingness to push our feelings aside, to be able to realize that other people have feelings too. And the feelings that we're trying to attack and the feelings that we're trying to come against is the one that we looked in their eyes at an altar one day and we said, I will love you forever. I will cherish you till death do us part. Whatever I need to do in sickness and in health, it doesn't get much worse than that. In whatever it may be, guess what? I'm going to love you and I'm going to cherish you. You see, it's more than words. It has to be an action. And we've forgotten that. We've forgotten what it is to really know how the other person feels if we have ever discovered that. And we've got to realize that. Because of our differences, we've been led to believe that it's impossible to do that. And I'm telling you, it's not easy, but it's definitely not impossible. 
The whole idea, you see, of empathy is, its point is to begin to understand others' feelings. To begin to understand the feelings of other people around you. Have you stopped to say, well, why are you feeling that way? Or have you just tried to defer your feelings upon them and say, well, this is how it is and that's how it's going to be. Hey, listen, guys, girls, if you act like that, guess what? You're going to get a stone wall built in your face. Because if you don't care enough about my feelings, then really you don't care about my heart. You don't care about really who I am. But it's not just about feelings, it's desires, it's ideas, it's understanding at a meaningful level in your life. And it may start one-sided, but its goal is not to remain one-sided, but for both parties to work, here's the key word, together. That we work together in tandem, that we are a team together, that two, the Bible says, become one. And you know what else about empathy is this? It's reciprocal. You know what the word reciprocal means? Look at the definition of reciprocal. It says, concerns each of two or more persons or things. It's interchanged. It's given or owed to each other. It's performed. It's experienced or felt by both sides. It's interchangeable. It's complementary. And you see, empathy is reciprocal. What does it mean? It's something that you have to do. And when you do it, it's going to be given back to you. It's like a reciprocating sore or something. It cuts both ways. And that's what we've got to be. Empathy doesn't keep score. And the most mature one, as we said, is the one that always moves first. But empathy, you see, is both head and heart. Head and heart. When you look at most of our relationships, we do one or the other pretty well. But what we've labeled as empathy is not really empathy. We either feel the pain with our heart or we try to solve their problem with our head. But to do the both can be tricky. Remember, we're not wrong. We're just different. We think we're showing true empathy when we're trying to solve the problem. Because you see, as men, we tend to be more problem solvers. So if we're solving the problem, then we're feeling them. But we're not really feeling them because we're giving them all head and we're not giving them any heart. Can you see the difference? Can you see the balance that we need to have in our lives? You see, both the head and the heart is the request of empathy. And its approach is one that will work. And it's scripturally to do so. Why? Because the Bible says that we should consider the needs of others. The Bible is full of examples. 1 John 3 verse 17, it says, But whoever has the world's good and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? You know what? Many times it's easier for us to empathize with people who are further away from us than people who are the closest to us. It's easiest for us to care for people many times who we may never see again. And we love them and we listen to their problems. But yet our spouse, we don't have the time for. We don't have the heart for. We don't have the head for. It's amazing. But I want us to get to that place where we begin to trade places. It's so important, but we must also realize the place that we are approaching it from. 
We've got to realize who we are. It starts first with us. I've been reading this book called Trading Places, an incredible book, and it's really eye-opening when it comes to marriage. And in this book, it lists four categories that every one of us can fall under one category. There's four different headings. Now, we may have a little bit of um, a few of those things in our lives, but majority-wise, we will fall under four prominent headings. Here's the four headings. Are you ready? Number one, that we'll be the sympathizer. Number two, we'll be the personalizer. Number three, we'll be the analyzer. Or number four, we will be the empathizer. Now, I wonder right now if you could just look at that and you would begin to identify without us even going into it. And we're now going to hit it for a few moments. But I wonder if you could identify straight off the bat of which one that you perhaps would fall under in that list. And as we go through these for a few moments today, I don't want this to be an elbow time. I don't want this to be where you dig the person beside you and say, that's you. I told you, you just can't see it. Oh, that's you right there. No, I want it to be for your heart. I want God to knock on your heart today and that you would willingly open the door, that you would be real with yourself. So that you can be real with your spouse and others. That you can work together. That you can get to where God wants you to be. Remember this. A rut is a grave with the ends kicked out. A rut is a grave with the ends kicked out. If you get in a rut and you say, this is how I am. I'm not going to change. This is where I want to be. Guess what? Nothing around you is ever going to change because it's dead. You're in a grave. You've got to break free. I believe today and throughout this series, we're going to see some people who are going to break free. They're going to sit down and begin to listen, to dare to begin to understand each other, to dare to begin to empathize, to trade places, to use both their head and their heart. So let's look at point number one or person number one, category number one. It's the sympathizer. The sympathizer tends to be more heart than head, which means more feelings than thinking. And statistically, they say this area, this title tends to be occupied by more women than men. More women tend to be sympathizers than what men do. Have you ever heard the saying out there that they fly by the seat of their pants? I've heard that saying many times. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't know the origin. I didn't know what that was all about. I knew it must have something to do with pilots and planes or something. But outside of that, I didn't really know what that meant. And as I began to read, I discovered what that meant. Before instruments were invented in aeroplanes, the only guide that the pilot had was his sense of movement. If he felt pressure, then that meant probably that he was ascending. He felt those G-force and it felt that he was ascending. If he felt the pressure go and he felt a weightlessness in his body, he concluded it was probably because he was descending. Pressure, ascending, no pressure, descending. But it wasn't a reliable method of flying. And many people died because of that. Why? Because their feelings played tricks with their mind. 
because their feelings played tricks on their judgment. So what times they'd be like, wow, questioning why? You see, in the same way in our marriage, that can be so true. When we only go by our feelings, guess what? It can cause problems in our heart. Well, I felt cheated. I was disrespected. I was abused. I was wronged. I feel this. I feel that. You've got to watch for your feelings. We're not saying that you shouldn't have feelings. We're not saying your feelings are wrong. But you've got to watch because if all you have is feelings, you're just one-sided in the equation. And let me try to explain this. They did a study and what they would do is they would flash in someone's face Two images, really quick, just for a split second, bam, they would flash an image. And they did a study and they asked the people around, what image did you see? The pictures they flashed was of a bullfighter on one side and a baseball player on the other. Just flashed an image in the mind. Well, it was amazing as they began to take the data and look at the results that in Spain, the majority of people saw the bullfighter. But when they did the same study in the US, most people saw the baseball player. Why? Why was that? Because they looked at their world through the lenses of their personal experiences and values. What they saw the most, what they felt, that was where they went. They didn't see the other images. And that's a lot like a sympathizer. That a sympathizer can look at their spouse and assume that the emotions and the feelings are being shared. That they're seeing the same thing, but yet the spouse is seeing a completely different picture. So you've got to watch. The sympathizer is what? More about heart, my feelings, than more about head, thinking, thinking. Then there's the, what, the personalizer. Wow, this is, this is something when you begin to look at this. The personalizer is one with little heart and head. So lacks in both areas, short on both feeling and thinking. And what they have said is this, this area is predominantly occupied by women more than men. A lot of you probably know the story of Rapunzel. She was locked into a tower. She was kept by a wicked woman. And that wicked woman convinced her that she had no beauty at all. She convinced her that she was ugly. She was undesirable. So she locked herself or locked her away to protect her because you don't realize the the pains and what's out there. So I'm going to protect you. You're ugly. No one could ever love you. No one could ever take care of you. So you're going to be locked away for safety. But one day a prince comes. And she looks out of the window and he shouts to her, let down your hair. And she lets down her hair and he climbs up her hair. And he is enchanted by her absolute beauty. But you know what? Here's the thought that we've got to get. We've got to see the true message in this story. And what we'll discover is this. Her prison was not her tower. But in the way her mind had led her to believe that she was ugly and unlovable. But then all of a sudden her prince comes in and he convinces her otherwise and tells her that she is loved. That she is then set free from the tyranny of her own imagined 
worthlessness. The personalizer is a lot like Rapunzel. Imprisoned by fear either from a cruel upbringing or childhood or from a failed marriage or through a brutal relationship. So here's where a personalizer comes from. A personalizer suffers from people rather than with people. Think about that for a moment. Suffers from people rather than with people. What I mean by that statement is this. A personalizer withdraws and retreats in order to avoid potential future pain. You see, their lens of life, how they see others, especially those trying to get close to them, those who are trying to win their heart, those who are trying to be a part of their life, become so distorted. And as a result of their previous pain and rejection, guess what? They can rarely see it another way. So they just back out for their own safety. Mark Twain said an incredible saying. Listen to what Mark Twain said. If a cat sits on a hot stove, that cat will never sit on a hot stove again. But then he continues, but that cat will never sit on a cold stove either. You see, a personalizer says, I was burnt once and guess what? I'm never going to be burnt again. That response, however, will shut off love as well as fear and pain. You see, you've got to realize when you're connected to the right person, you've got to open up. You've got to be vulnerable to let their love come in. You've got to place yourself in a place of vulnerability so you can receive. Because guess what? If you are building up walls, you've got to ask yourself, what am I walling in and what am I walling out? Because they can convince themselves the best way of avoiding potential pain is to guard their hearts by keeping to themselves and becoming a prisoner of their past. You see, a personalizer has little head and little heart. I know time is gone, but just give me a couple more minutes today. The third type of person is the analyzer. An area more occupied by men many times than women. It's more head than heart. More thinking than feeling. The analyzer is the problem solver, is the fixer. Well, all you need to do is this. All you need to do is that. You see, that doesn't work very well when you start addressing a lady and you start saying the only thing you need to do is this and that. But look, when guys have a problem, what do they do? They go to each other and say, I'm having a problem. And guess what? The answer is, well, you just need to do this. And what does the guy say? Gee, thanks, man. I've been sleep. I haven't had sleep for weeks. Man, you just helped me. But it doesn't get that same response when it's presented to him. You're just trying to fix me. You just don't care about me. You're not even listening to what I say. You're just all your interest is in solve, solve, solve. The analyzer, analyzer, analyzer. You see, the problem with an analyzer is this. When we come from the vein of just being the analyzer, We actually tend to dismiss their real problem or need because we fail to see their need, the cry of help. Why? Because we're all about the cause and the cure. Well, just do this. Well, what's going on right here? Well, if you just do this, you. but what's the cry from right here? You see, empathy is not about imposing its own diagnosis. It doesn't presume to know what's really going on. It's just merely attempts to accurately see the situation from another's point of view. 
analyzer is more head than heart. Then the last one is the empathizer. It's both head and heart, a good measure of both good or thinking and feeling. And pray that it's every one of our goal. To get here requires letting go of the old familiar ways. It requires letting God change both your heart and mind. It requires you putting in the work and the effort that you need. If you think we're just going to come here and do ABC and your marriage is going to be great. Listen, I hate to tell you this. It doesn't work like that. It takes work. It takes effort. It takes time. Why? Because we're different. We've got to understand each other. We've got to learn to decode each other's needs. We've got to realize we're seeing pink and blue. We're hearing different things. We're seeing different things. But that's okay. Why? Because God made us that way. We've got to begin to put ourselves in each other's shoes. We've got to begin to think and feel like our spouse. What was that movie that they had where the mother became the daughter? What was that movie? Freaky Friday. Wouldn't it be great if we could have a freaky Sunday? Wouldn't it be great if we could just become our wives and the wives become our husbands? And we could just for a whole day just completely feel and know what that other person was going through. Can I tell you right now, our homes and our marriages would never be the same again. But you know what? Again, we just want a quick fix. We just want it. Oh, if I could just do that, then I would understand. And then everything would be solved. No, it wouldn't. Because as soon as we get back, it's so easy to forget. You see, the beauty of relationship is taking time to know each other, to love each other, to feel each other. And I'm going to just close with this. And we're going to pick up next week. But I'm going to close with this. I'm going to do something today. I'm going to tap something. And I want you to tell me the song that I just tapped. Are you ready? You ready? Okay, hold on a second. You ready? Here's your choices that you've got. Was it A, Mary Had a Little Lamb? Was it B, the National Anthem? Was it C, Happy Birthday to You? Was it D, Take Me Out to the Ball Game? And was it E, Amazing Grace? I wonder which one it was. And most of you picked up on that. Most of you realized that the answer was C. It was Happy Birthday. But you know what? They did a study of 120 songs and they asked the people who were tapping. They said, what percentage do you think the people are going to get what you're tapping? And the people said, you know what? We believe that 50 percent they're going to get what we tap. Do you know when they did the study that out of 120 songs, two and a half percent got the song that was being tapped? That was three out of 100 and 20. What they thought was going to be 50% ended up only being 2.5%. Now, Philip, have you gone crazy? I mean, what does that have to do? Let me try and bring this all full circle today. Let me try and show you how that comes back to empathy. When you're the one tapping, it's amazing you can hear the song in your head. 
So when you're tapping, it's so obvious to you that it's almost impossible for you to even begin to imagine that that other person is not getting. Because you can't tap without hearing that song just ringing out through your head. And what you think is this, how could they be so stupid that they couldn't hear what I'm trying to do? Come on, you try it with someone, you go home, you'll tap and you'll get frustrated and you'll say, listen again. And you'll tap and you'll tap a little bit louder this time, a little bit more aggressive. And they still don't get it. And they're guessing Mary had a little lamb and all these things. And you're looking and you're saying, are you stupid? What's wrong with you? Guess what? They're not stupid. All they're hearing is just a bunch of disconnected taps. You see, in our marriage, when we only tap out the message, whether it's with just our words, our inflections, our body language, we think, well, man, it should be so obvious what I'm trying to do and trying to say and trying to be. But can I tell you today, it's not. It's not. And we can look at each other and say, what's wrong with you? How could you not get when I said you can go out with your friends? How did you not get that I didn't want you to go out? Come on, I'm talking right now. How did you not hear me say I wanted you to stay in and watch a chick flick with me and us to eat popcorn and have a great night? But hold on a second. You said it was okay for me to go out. What's going on? The tapper and the listener. Well, I know what I'm saying. But you see, true communication is not just someone that you think they know what you say. True communication is knowing that they know what you've said. How could you not get what I meant? How did you not hear my cry from help? Can I tell you why? This is why, if we're going to be happily ever after and realize it's not just for fairy tales, it's possible for your marriage, for your relationships, for your future today, you've got to begin to learn how to empathize with each other. You've got to have all heart and you've got to have all head. You may be the analyzer, you may be the personalizer, you may be the sympathizer, you may be the empathizer, you may be a little bit of all, but you know what? You've got to be willing to change. Well, this is who I am. This is what they married and this is what they get. Well, good for you. Then live miserable for the rest of your life. Live miserable. You've got to be willing to hear the cry of each other. You've got to begin to work together. You've got to listen to each other. You've got to understand each other. Let me give this illustration and I promise I'll shut up. I know I've gone on too long today. There was a husband and wife that was fighting. I want to show you how simple empathy is. Husband and wife was fighting. They were having a dinner party around their house. 
the husband wanted this nice elaborate meal for all his guests and his wife says, no, I'm just going to kick enchiladas. He said, we're not going to have enchiladas, we're going to have this. The fight went backwards and forwards and it got heated and heated till finally the husband just walked off and the wife said, where are you going? He said, I'm going into the kitchen, I've got some ice cream on the top and I'm going to go and eat it, it's probably melted by now. She follows him into the kitchen and says, oh no, you don't, you're not leaving here, we're going to talk about this, we're going to do enchiladas. He says, no, and then he said, stop, stop, stop. He said, help me understand. Why you want to do enchiladas? And she looked at him and she said, the reason why is it's something quick and easy to cook. I've got homework to do with the kids. I don't have time to go to the store to pick up all the supplies, never mind to cook it. I've got this to do, that to do. And all of a sudden he turned around and he realized. I just wanted to push what I wanted because I thought that all she was trying to do was just not do what I wished. But he said, when I understood her reason why, he said, we had enchiladas and I helped her do some of the chores that was needed to do. Now, don't tell me it doesn't work. Don't tell me it's hard. Notice how you can just turn a situation just like that and it will work every time. Help me to understand. Why are you feeling this way? What's going on? Why are you? Don't just... And try and figure it out and get so frustrated when they don't hear that tune. But instead, begin to love them and say, help me understand. Help me to empathize with you. Because you know what? I want to be a part of your life. Come on, if you received that today, would you stand to your feet this morning? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.